On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin where do we even begin? Tip your bartender. Hi, everybody. This is Pub Crawl Liz. And this, who's across from me? The genius. Why, why did you hesitate? Because I don't think that was a great intro. <laughs> I like to be introduced. Uh, by the way, I'll tell you a cute little story about introductions. You know, Paulie, I don't know if you know Paulie. Uh, Ansel? Paulie Ansel. Yeah. Have you met him? No. You met his kids. Ida, I just went to her wedding. No, and I have not met any of them. Charles? No? No. Nope. Well, anyway, um, Paulie is actually a very entertaining guy. He's not not dependably entertaining, but he can be very entertaining. So anyway, he, he learned how to play the piano. But his father, his father was a real funny guy. Paulie's a funny guy. His father was a real funny guy. And so I got, one day I was talking to his father and he said, you know, Paulie, the only way I could get, he called him Paul. He said, the only way I could get him to do his piano lessons, I had to call his sister and his mother in the room. And then I would have to introduce him, appearing now, and then he'd do this whole big intro. And then Paulie would sit down and do his piano lessons. That's nice. Yeah. I like his intro too. You can introduce yourself. No, you can introduce me. Because so I'm you want me to start the show now saying, hi, everybody, this is Pub Crawl Liz. And say, this is and the star. Okay, hi, everybody, this is the star, Pub Crawl Liz. No, <laughs> you got that reversed. Oh. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us in another episode of As the Ale House Turns. Um, I'm looking forward to this show because it's the first time there's going to be like a, a point, counterpoint episode where we have a counterpoint to a different episode. It's a he said, he said. We have that all the time. No, we don't. Um, but joining us on the show today is our friend and alehouse regular and Chicago pub owner, Chris Latchford. Chris, welcome to the show. It is a wonderful pleasure to be here. Irish Chris. His, yes, his nickname for, is for Irish my, Chris. For my blog, blog readers, I refer to him as Irish uh, Chris. Correct. And uh, the reason I say it's going to be point-counterpoint, or he said, he said, is because two weeks ago, was it two weeks, two shows ago, three shows ago, I don't even remember, two shows ago, uh, we had Chris's business partner, Pat Berger, uh, as our guest, and uh, now we're going to be able to get Chris's perspectives on working uh, with Pat, uh, or his perspectives on running Patty Longs and Kaiser Tiger. Well, he, he did not, he, uh, Chris made it quite clear to me a couple days ago that he did not wish, because he was supposed to appear with Pat, but he did, made it clear he did not wish to share a mic with his portly partner. Oh my lord. I think Chris was just under the weather. No, no. He was quite fit and able the last... Oh, wait. His, well, that's right. His partner felt that he had the vapors. And that he the was... The vapors? The vapors. He was I don't know what that is. For Clint. You know, he was like... You know how a, a young maiden is just gets a little out of sorts? And that's why he couldn't appear. 
I still have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know about being a young maiden? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Oh. Uh, Chris, do you know what the hell he's talking about? Well, the main thing is is that um, I just don't want to have the same microphone as the one that Pat had, because I'm looking at this one right now and seeing if there's bits of ginger beard in it. And uh, (laughs) I haven't seen any so far, so it looks like I've lucked out. I think one of you two might have got that one. So just don't get too close to it. And um, uh, also, I'd like to say, it, this is the first time, obviously, I've been on the podcast. I'd like to let the listeners know what I'm looking at right now. It's, it's intriguing to me because the genius is sitting on a, a golden throne. There are uh, two voluptuous women, one on either side of him, taking care of his Christmas baubles. And uh, I think it's a very impressive scene. I don't think a lot of listeners realize I'm surprised it hasn't been mentioned before who's the other woman and um, what's most impressive is behind the genius there's there's a there's one of his own paintings depicting that exact scene and and, uh, next time people come into the old town they'll get to see it for themselves I've never seen so. Bruce be so alert, like looking all over the place. Huh? I'm, 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 Who? Looking, I'm, I'm looking for the extra broad. Huh? Yeah, there's Ruth's not even here today. Oh, no, I, should, I think she'll be here. She she's was, slacking she's, on the job again. She was doing a massage in Evanston. Um, <laughs> so, Chris, thanks for being with us. Yeah, and I think, as our listeners can probably detect, he's an authentic Mick. <laughs> not one of these Chicago... Fuckface mix that you know goes in parades and pukes all over the street mix. That's what I would what I would call a plastic patty. Plastic patty. I call them professional Irishmen. <laughs> That's just what you call Chicago. Well, most of. I mean, come on. Is there anything more disgusting? I mean, I remember when I used to live over in Cleveland and come down here on St. Patty's Day. At like eight in the morning, I come down and I gotta walk over puke. I mean, these kids yeah, are out stupid. puking on the sidewalk at eight in the goddamn morning. Those are amateurs. They don't do that shit in Ireland, do they? I mean, they don't. Well, they I mean, do I know they puke, but I mean, they don't have they, they, Saint uh, Patty's. They have day. the wherewithal to do it every day, not just on the seventeenth <laughs> of March. <laughs> were you when you first experienced the Chicago Saint Patrick's Day? Were you uh, a excited? B Honored, C, <laughs> disgusted, D, all of the above. Um, well, first, uh, th- uh, yeah, my first St. Patrick's Day here, I made the foolish decision to actually go to the parade, see what was going on. So, How many years ago was that? That would have been 1994, so coming up on 25 years ago. So and that was oh. when it was still like on State Street. Yeah, and um, yeah, so I froze my nuts off, so that wasn't a great start to it. And then, um, you know, there was the whole green beer thing and, and all the rest of it. And uh, so, yeah, that wasn't a, you know, it takes a while to find the, the nuances and the places around town where you should perhaps hang out on St. Yeah. Patrick's Day as an Irishman. And, um, you know, there's mistakes along the way and lots of uh, uh, Bud Light and all that crap. But, uh, you know, as the years have gone by, I've found my, my spots. And obviously being a, a tavern owner myself, I... Uh, you know, I'm probably biased in that regard. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a, a time and a place for all of that. I, you know, I, I think I was a senior in high school when I first experienced like a true St. Patty's Day uh, debauchery. And, you know, we obviously couldn't go into the bars, but we were having a good time on the streets, sneaking, 
sneaking sips here and there and yeah. really full on into it. Well, I, I'm re- St. Patrick's Day is really a loathsome day. Yeah. I'm reminded what um, in the, the Sopranos that when uh, Christopher had a near death experience and Polly Walnuts came and asked him what hell was like, and he said, Hell is like every day is St. Patrick's Day. And I think that is kind of, yeah, that would be. I mean, we make money off of it, but God damn it, it's an awful, ugly situation. Brings out uh, the app. So I yeah. think that's probably the most, I mean, um, New Year's Eve, as you probably, uh, Chris, being a bar owner, that's these are not professional drinkers for the most part. Right. But God damn, St. Patty's Day there. It's amateur hour out there. Do you guys uh, see more uh, traffic uh, at Kaiser or at Patty's for St. Patty's Day? Well, Patty's obviously because of the name, but uh, yeah, yeah. you know we, we 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 open early and all that. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a surprise to me. You know, I, I think over here um, the folks take it to the next level. I mean, you know, honestly, growing up in, in Ireland in the in the 70s, you know, uh, a lot of the pubs were, weren't even open on St. Patrick's Day. Right. It was the, uh, you know. Really? Holy day. Why, why is that? Oh, it's it was religious. A, it was a religious day. It was oh, the day that celebrate the, uh, the patron saint of Ireland bringing Christianity to our, to our wet little grey, dull island. So, um, yeah, and now, that being said, uh, over the years... The uh, the American St. Patty's Day fest, very fervored festivities have definitely yeah. started to make their way over there, and I think also there's a lot of tourism involved and all the rest of it. And so, yeah, I read you know. an article that uh, saying exactly that how St. Patrick's Day was just a very quiet time, a very holy time, and it was really um, I think the yeah. Irish Tourism Board that saw the insanity that happened on this side of the pond changed a few things here and there, encouraged people to go visit during St. Patrick's well, Day Well, let, let me also just say this. Uh, you know, anytime there's a, uh, a day in Ireland where the pubs are closed, it generally means that all the, what we would call the off-licenses or the equivalent of a liquor store over here, uh, the day before has one of the most ridiculous <laughs> lines outside the door because everybody realizes the, the, the horror, the absolute horror of not being able to go to their local pub on whether it's Good Friday or Christmas Day, which are still the two days in Ireland when the pubs are closed. And so uh, people are just stocking up with alcohol that they've never drank or tried before, but they're going to give it a go because <laughs> that's all that's left on the shelves. There's nothing open on Christmas Day? Uh, no, no bars are open on Christmas Day. I mean, you could get perhaps if you're staying at a hotel or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a day off. Are any of your establishments open on Christmas? No. We used to open on Christmas evening, but, uh, you know, fuck it, it's not worth it. It's, uh, you well, know, obviously... Um, I just want the listeners to know that the Old Town Ale House is open every... 365. Every day of the year. No doubt. I've been here myself on Christmas Day, and it's a lovely festive experience I, I you know I, I remember when I moved to California and in those days uh, now people are actually born there and raised there but when I was out there every, everybody was from somewhere else and there wasn't that much family thing I love going to the bar especially down in downtown San Francisco on Christmas Day it was great um, it was a freak show I mean and we used to get that here but not so much anymore. We got used. We had all the people like Reuben and all. Well, Reuben wouldn't go out to his family's house because 
he didn't speak to his brothers and stuff. But we we had a hardcore group here. Had no place to go or didn't want to go. They yeah. had places to go. And uh, but I remember years and years ago, here in O'Rourke's would be open on Christmas, and you'd see people coming in with a, a with a necktie on. People you never see with a necktie on regulars. They they wouldn't even speak to anybody. They walked to the end of the bar, loosen their tie, and have like four or five shots before they would talk to anyone. The experience, the Christmas experience. Oh, that's so, family. I, I enjoy it. It's great being in a bar on Christmas. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I'm glad you're open. Uh, all right, Chris, let's go back in time when you were just a young little lad uh, bouncing around the hills. I don't hills. think they called them lads in Ireland. What do they call you? That's Scotland. Lads are Scottish. Oh no, lads is lads is a. You're allowed. You're yeah, allowed. Yeah, you're sure. What are you yeah, talking about? Well, lads mean, and lasses. In Ireland, they in Ireland they say Gaelic. In in in, in Scotland they say Gaelic. Well, because there's two they different. They say different shit. Two, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I learned that thanks stuff. Thanks for that lesson. I learned that <laughs> stuff when I was over Such there. Such a. You're so well spoken. Thank you. Um. So, Chris, yes, tell us about uh, your early beginnings. Where are you from exactly in Ireland? Uh, from Dublin. Always grew up in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, grew up with uh, in a house with my grandmother in the south side of uh, Dublin. Uh, she was a pretty interesting character. She was uh, from Scotland originally. and uh, she, she the movie critic? She, uh, she was. She, was a, uh, she worked in London. She was uh, first off a uh, travel correspondent for... A newspaper there and then became a movie critic so uh, she had many stories to tell cool. and uh, and uh, actually uh, Bruce and I were just talking before this how there was a movie on the TV there with David Niven and she uh, I've got a few pictures of her with him and Charlie Chaplin and Stan and Ollie and all the kind of stars of the time so she led an interesting life and so um, uh, my mom was a single mom and uh, my grandmother uh, helped bring us up me and my brother up and uh, so she was uh, she was an interesting character and uh, going around Dublin in the 1970s is uh, a world away from the, the city it is today Dublin was pretty much a uh, if, if you could say a fourth world country there was uh, you know uh, it was a pretty much a dump so um, but we had a good time there and um, uh, obviously it's changed significantly since then but yeah, uh, you know, and then um, I uh, managed to get myself through school and college and all that stuff, and then moved over here. And uh, did you go to college in Ireland? In Ireland, yeah, yeah. And um, what was it like growing up in Dublin in the '80s with the whole Northern Ireland situation? Uh, was like, were you ever concerned? You know, never concerned, no, because uh, a lot of the bombs were going off either in London or Northern Ireland. They didn't really dare to uh, blow things up in Dublin because I think they were worried about, you know, the repercussions of that. But, um, you know, it was depressing. You would, wouldn't be want to be watching the news every night and, you know, learning the news that somebody else had been blown to pieces and all the rest of it. Um, but, um, you know, I'm glad it's... Uh, been brought to the place that's been brought and you know a lot of people had to bend over backwards and do stuff like that but to get it to where it is now and the peace agreement and all the rest but uh, yeah you know it it, uh, it was it was just something that I had never uh, I, you know uh, it was always there yeah it was always there from when I was born 
Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty depressing in, in many regards, but it's uh, glad to say it's hopefully behind us. Well, and Chris is a huge fan of that big-eared royal family with mm. the Dumbo the Elephant family. <laughs> Very big, big fan oh, of them. Yeah, yeah, they continue. Well, I mean, you know, there, there, there's... Um, they're, 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 they're all interbred and, and German and English and, uh, you know, I'm not really sure who's in charge or anybody knows what's going on. But I think Mar Margaret Thatcher might still be alive pulling all the strings there. If you look at what's going on in the country today, um, Boy, uh, Theresa May might actually be, be uh, Theresa May might be a reincarnation, so who knows. But, uh, you know, the only good news is, is that this isn't actually going on in Ireland because it's the kind of thing that we'd probably somehow get ourselves well, the big, into The big thing is whether, because part of the big deal between Northern, Northern Ireland and real Ireland is that there's free passage. And if um, this Brexit deal was, or whatever, if, if, um, if they got out of, uh, if they, they would have to enforce the borders again. And this would be a big fucking problem. So, but Theresa May is clearly... You know, in the great tradition of Looney Tune kind of fuck, fuck, fuck up prime PMs. I love that PMs. It's yeah. called BMs. Uh, yeah, they're, they're you know as as bad as our presidents are. They're just fucking bad, if not worse than us. Not, I don't think you can say that right now. Well, no, we've now uh, we've raised them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we, we really before have. this one. They're, they're, yeah, I'd take Theresa May in a, in a, in a yeah. heartbeat. They're, they are doing their best to catch up, but uh, yeah. Um, you know, obviously Ireland and England have a, uh, have a wondrous relationship over the last couple of thousand years. And then, you know, it, it, as a very small country, a very wet place with not much going on, it was very fashionable to invade Ireland. Uh, you know, and get in there, and, and I, I don't know. What, what would they do when they got in there? I, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, how many grab how, potatoes from I mean, you? You know, uh, that's the thing I never quite understood why why it was so really fashionable to get over there and invade Ireland for a while because it, it just um, it doesn't seem worth the time. Well, it's like going into the Falkland Islands. Right. Yeah, there you go. It's like when, when you when you're all said and done, it's like and then you just all leave again. You know. <laughs> What's the point? So, oh, oh, yeah, you know. Okay, so you go to college in Ireland, and then how did you end up on this side of it all? Well, uh, when I was in college, there was a uh, there was a um, a green card lottery that they uh, that they were uh, doing, and uh, it it applied to illegal Irish who lived here, but also uh, anyone who lived in Ireland could apply. So myself and a number of college buddies, I literally filled out the back of a postcard and sent it off. And uh, the timing on it was pretty great because I was literally finishing college, doing my final exams, and I got a letter in the door saying, you've been selected for a green card. If you want to come and live in the US, you must come and clock in by a certain date. And uh, so I worked in Ireland for about another year after I left college. And by the way, working is a very loose term. I mean, the jobs were few and far between. This was before the so-called Celtic Tiger. And uh, the economy was still pretty much in the doldrums over there. So it wasn't too much to stick around for in that regard. And, uh, and, and Chicago is a quite a storied town when it comes to uh, the advertising business, you know. There's a lot of 
uh, ad agencies here that in in ad circles are quite famous. So that's what you went to like, school for. Yeah, yeah, marketing and advertising and stuff like that. I mean, there's ad agents here like Leo Burnett who came up with, you know, Ronald McDonald and Tony the Tiger and all these. Uh, the, Pils Sam. the Pillsbury Doughboy and Marlboro all these Man. Marlboro Man, all these things. So, um, you know, this was the uh, this was the place to come, and, and I came over with a couple of buddies and got a cheap apartment in a basement up and uh, up uh, on Sheridan Road, and uh, we managed to survive that for a year. Because I, I do remember uh, coming in one night watching the local news, and uh, there was a alleyway that was all cordoned off where they'd found a decapitated body in a dumpster. You say so you were in an uptown? Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, oh, that's, that's a pretty grim neighborhood. And then I, I went out to the store to get, pick up a couple of things and realized that that, that was actually my alleyway. Uh, there was, <laughs> there was uh, all the press and everybody was all out there. So uh, I was like, you know what, this neighborhood is uh, nice and cheap for the rent, but I'm not sure if I one end up decapitated in a dumpster, so we, we managed to get out of there after a year. <laughs> Who, who's we, by the way? I came over here with a couple of two other Irish guys. They've actually both moved back since. Uh, they stayed here for a few years, but ended up going back to Ireland. So I am the, uh, the lone one out of the three that, that remained. And a, and a true success story. Yeah, so when you got here, did you get a job right away? Well, I got a job, uh, yeah, just to, to work. I got a job being a waiter and a server and, and stuff like that while I was interviewing. But I probably had a job in that agency within three or four months, you know. So, You're like one of the original Mad Men. I wish. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I, I, you know, I was probably getting paid very little amount of money. But there was lots of lovely girls in the industry. There was a lot of socializing. It was a work hard, play hard kind of thing. And as the years went on, uh, I managed to uh, keep my head above water and get promoted here and there and uh, and so it became you know I got to travel a lot and, and see things and do some pretty cool stuff so that was that was great and you uh, yeah. made some great friends made some very good friends some of them uh, you would know uh, yeah. have been in here once or twice yes. uh, on the same day and uh, and uh, yeah the likes of Mr. Terry Hurley who uh, anyone who who uh, works in the ad business or or uh, hangs out in establishments. Nobody knows how old or how young the man is. He could be yeah. any age between perhaps 24 and 112. Easily, yeah. He you know. could. Or he, he could be a vampire. I've never actually he, seen him during daylight hours. He kind of dresses like hours. Elvis Costello. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah. He's always he's, in black. He's very always in black. He's very erect. He stands straight. <laughs> I'm not sure if we could... Yeah, okay. I don't know erect any other... Although I heard that he got lucky over in when you at your wedding. Uh, he, uh, he has managed to uh, lure some European ladies into his lair. He seems not uh, to have the same luck here. No, not at all. It's, uh, I, I actually don't understand why he lives here, because uh, any time <laughs> I've, I've been in Europe with him, the ladies seem to be fascinated by his, his talents and his, uh, his dress, his well, dress code. Well, you know, it's an opposite thing. I mean, you know, people hear, let's hear you speak, and they're like, ooh. Well, really, that's how you look at this? Well, because we like the accents, right? Like but it? I'm sure that everyone else in Ireland sounds like you, so what's the big deal? Exactly. It's the, reason, it's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> I had no chance over there. So, um, speaking of friends, let's. I'd like to hear from you how you and Pat met. Ah, uh, well, Pat, uh, I, I have been a resident in Old Town for uh, about 20 years now, 
and uh, I would I would uh, come into the old town, of course, but uh, often enough before that I would stop in at Corcoran's, which used to be the uh, the Earl of Old Town, and Pat was a bartender in there, and uh, him and I struck up conversations about rugby because we both used to play the game. Obviously, I played it a lot better than he did, uh, despite what that charlatan. Not what he said. Despite he what said, that charlatan might say. He said you barely made the team in high school. And that uh, was your career. That seems disappointing. A man who was perhaps not even born at that point, so I'm not sure how you'd even understand that that scenario. But yeah, we we, uh, we we bonded over over rugby, and uh, you know, I actually moved back to Dublin for a year to to work in an ad agency. Would have been in the, uh, 2005, and uh, and that kind of made me realize it's not uh, Chicago I want to be out of. It's more the advertising business. Mm. And uh, Pat came over actually to Dublin for a rugby match, and uh, at great expense, I had to find him some tickets to to this game. I don't think he's ever properly thank me for that so I just like to make that point at this point but uh, uh, so we um, we uh, we had one of those I'm sure there are many people out there who've had a very late night drunken conversation about opening a bar together you know at some stage in their yeah. careers and uh, we had one of those late night conversations and uh, it actually came to fruition so we uh, Pat came over and said I know that this bar is up in uh, diversity Parkway run by a family it's been up there since right after prohibition and uh we uh we eventually got our hands on it and and um well, that was didn't you i think pat said you had to go in there and because the guy just refused to make a deal and you just said well i'll just go sit there until he does so you were there like, yeah you know i can be an annoying bastard as uh, many people have uh, <laughs> can attest to so uh, i went in there one day and i don't know how many hours it was but it was definitely uh a half dozen or so and I just sat there and I, I, I figured if I annoy the shit out of him he might eventually just you know make a deal with me just to get me out the door so that's pretty much what happened yes. and uh, so we, we've been picked away chipped away at him chipped away at him uh, he hey he, he was fine he, he rode off to the sunset with his uh, with a nice check in his back pocket but uh, yeah so we've been running that place about almost 12 years and uh, and it's been going great we're super happy with it well, it's a great location. Yeah, yeah. It's right on the borderline of Boys Town, so, you know, you don't have to go in the toilet and polish a knob, you know, to, 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 yeah. to be comfortable. <laughs> or you there. could. Or well, you could. Well, I'm sure you could do that in any bar, but you don't have to, you know. I don't, to, I don't to, think you have to in any to, bar either. Oh, I think so. If this is not 1962. What are you saying about 1962? Maybe back when you used to frequent... As the a, gay as a bars young boy. when I was when I was going through my gay stage. Yeah. How long did that last, by the way? Um, as long as he needed to well, pay the bills. It, it, no, <laughs> well, yeah, it was basically that. It was kind of was a a ladder into gay porn. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's you can listen to a few other episodes of the podcast for that nonsense. Oh, uh, okay, all right. So so now then you you guys had Pat, I remember Patty Longs and that how many years ago was that? Uh, eleven years ago, eleven and a half. It'll be then, twelve next year, and, yeah. And so, Kaiser Tiger is about six, five, six five years. Five yes. years, yes, yeah. We were uh, we were frustrated because uh, Patty's is a uh, it's a nice sized neighborhood pub, but we were often getting requests for bigger parties and things like that. And I, so Pat and I often said, if we open another joint, has to be bigger, 
have to have more space and stuff like that. And so we, we eventually found a, a location on Randolph Street, uh, which became Kaiser Tiger. And it is big. Yeah. And Pat says the biggest beer garden in the city. Yeah, it is a big one. We, we, we fit about 260 people out in that beer garden. So, uh, And then uh, obviously we've found a way to uh, keep the beer garden busy in the winter months. Sure, Pat mentioned we, uh, we we build ice curling rinks out there in the winter time. We've got some some uh, some fire pits and mulled wine and hot whiskies and yeah, so people are having a good time out there in the winter. You know, it's important I think for Chicagoans. Uh, they're they're very tough people, as you know, or claim to be. And uh, 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 you have to be kind of yeah. And so winters here are brutal. And uh, and and to be able to tell your friends that you were doing outdoor activities over the weekend, uh, you know. Uh, uh, at least with a pint in one hand and a curling stone in the other, I think it's uh, you know it's an achievement in the middle of February and, to say that you're out and about. Anybody that's heading to the Chicago Stadium for for a game, some type of game or an event, that'll be the United it's Center. Absolutely, perfectly yeah. located for going to the United Center. Well, they have a free shuttle. A free little shuttle bus, bring them yeah, down there and back to the games. Black yeah. Hawks. Yeah, you or, if you're a tough guy, you can walk. Too. If you're a tough guy, yeah. Um, you know, we all know Chicagoans love Chicago. We love to talk about how much we love Chicago. We, we talk about how much we love Chicago? Yeah. My, my, one of the things I love to hear about is why transplants love Chicago. I mean, obviously, you came here, you actually went back, you came back, you have two very strong businesses, you clearly have ties to this city right. and chose to be here. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Yeah, it is an interesting question because when I came here, I thought, oh, I'll stay a year or two, you know, it was, the winters are brutal and this and that, and there's all sorts of excuses. And But, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the big things, obviously, is, is um, I love the taverns here. And I know they're dwindling, but of course, this is one of the greatest the city has and, and in the country has. Um, and, you know, it's uh, growing up in Ireland, I think there's a similar uh, atmosphere in some of the pubs in Ireland. There's, there's people of all ages uh, sitting in there talking. You know, you could have a 92-year-old granddad talking to an 18-year-old kid about yeah. football or rugby or whatever the, uh, the, the talk of the day is. And, and I think that you, in an establishment like this, you, you get something similar. Maybe that was something that I missed from back home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think they're they're dying. You know, they're. they're I mean, uh, I, I think even, they're, even in Ireland they're dying. In Ireland they're dying. You know, I mean, I think the drinking and driving laws in Ireland uh, put paid to a lot of the rural pubs. Um, you're you're just basically not allowed to drink anything now. I mean, I think over here, yeah, nothing at all. I mean, I remember being back for a holiday period in Ireland, and uh, the police had roadblocks the morning after and we're leaning in and, and giving breathalyzer tests. So if you'd been out drinking the night before and you still had alcohol in your system, they were gonna get you the next day. Wow. So, uh, and it's, you know, look, with Uber and all the rest of it, I think that's alleviated that problem somewhat, but uh, certainly a lot of the rural pubs in Ireland, not in the cities, in Dublin and everything like that, yeah. there still are the, uh, the great old pubs that have honestly been there for centuries. It's definitely no. an issue uh, in the UK and in England for sure, in a lot of the rural parts, um, because people can't, you know, can't afford it, or uh, they're being bought out by, you know, bigger companies that, you know, can just put in like a coffee shop, 
Or when we were in Scotland, though, we were we weren't concerned about that. Yeah, we? but you think about it, we were aside from being up in the Highlands, we were in big cities like Edinburgh or Glasgow. So those are going to be those are going to be you know more abundant and than in these plus, small country towns. Do, they don't drive on the wrong side of the road in Ireland, do they? Well, uh, the left hand side. The wrong side. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yes, they do. Oh dear. <laughs> See, now that's the first thing. It's I all say, ass backwards. I say, fuck you, royalist well, that's, piles. That's, that's why these uh, drinking laws came in, drinking and driving laws came in, because the Irish people were determined to drive on the right-hand side. That was causing all sorts of issues, you know? So, uh, yeah, you know. Do you guys know why they drive on the other side? No, tell us, please. I didn't know either, but I recently looked oh, at it because I was like, why the Because they want to they... be assholes. <laughs> No, it, go, it went back to horse and buggy days oh, when okay. the driver would have to get off. Uh, and obviously, um, back then, it was like the right way, the way we drive. And it would be easier for him or her to pull off to the left and get out. Yeah, but we had people riding carriages, too. Listen to me. Let me just finish the story. So... Think about it. If you're driving on the left si- on the right side of the road, right, but your steering wheel is on the left side of the vehicle, mm. and you pull over, you have to get out toward the traffic and go around. Right. So it was easier for people just to get off on the left side. So that's how they started driving. On the Wouldn't left it side have of been road. easier for Americans? I'm just telling you the story. We decided story? not to do that. What oh story? my God! Never mind. We'll talk. I'll talk to you more. I, I'm not first. buying it. I'm not buying it. I'll well, send you the article. Only a, uh, a nation uh, from perhaps a Scandinavian region could have pulled this off, but I know Sweden switched from They all left. stopped one day, they, right? They, 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 they all, I believe on at midnight on, on New Year's <laughs> Day, uh, they switched from driving on the left to driving on the right. Can you imagine trying wow. to implement that in, uh, in this country? Uh, you know, and apparently it went well. I always say that whenever I'm in the UK, in Ireland, the best thing, the absolute best thing for me as a visitor is on the street, on the, on the roads, they have the, the directions to look left or look right. Look left, look right, yeah. Because it really is confusing, and I'm an idiot, and I don't know which way I should look, and so I have to look down. I have to look, no, I look both ways. Every, yeah, I never. I still don't know where the way. fuck the traffic's coming from, well, so that I'm way, confused. That, that, the reason that that is there is that it allows Irish people to run, to run tourists over without <laughs> getting sued for it because we wrote it on the road <laughs> to warn you Look left, look right, and if you didn't, and we still ran you over, well, it's your own fucking fault. Well, so, true. yeah. Um, all right. So, question: a few questions for you. Okay. Um, if someone has forty-eight hours in Dublin, what would you tell them to do? Uh, forty-eight hours in Dublin. My God. Well, a big, like we mentioned earlier on, a big part of Dublin are the, are the pubs. Um, and um, do you have a favorite? Uh, I have many. Uh, I grew up. We had a uh, we had a, a steakhouse restaurant in Dublin. So I grew up in an area just south of the very city centre of St Stephen's Green and Grafton Street, which is a, a big hub there. And um, and so there is a pub called James Toner, which is a fine establishment. It's probably been there about two or three hundred years. And the thing, the other thing about the the, the pubs in Dublin was. Ireland was actually the first country to bring in the smoking ban in Europe. Oh, I remember I that. That. that was yeah. really surprising. I know. And, um, and I'm surprised there wasn't an absolute uprising when that happened. But 
when it did, uh, people very quickly realized that, that if you've owned a pub for 300 years and the cigarette smoke is not masking the, uh, the odors that are permeating from the floorboards there, uh, that, 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 that's an issue. And so when that smoking ban initially came in, these pubs absolutely reeked. I mean, they really were. Well, the alehouse, <laughs> people were, everybody was looking at everybody else. Right, right, yeah, I know. Sometimes so, you walk in here and it still smells bad. Right, right, and Ruben's gone now how many years? <laughs> oh, yeah, those were bad, those were bad years. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but to answer your question, uh, you know, uh, I would uh, advise people, if you want to do a little bit of history, go visit Kilmainham Jail. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Take you on a little tour there, but, uh, you know, the Irish Revolution and is, stuff is like the, that. Is the theater still real big? The theater I mean, is and it is, and, but it's kind of going down this, you know, uh, I mean, over here, all you have is musicals and The Lion King and all that stuff these days. And I know that you've got to look further, but if you're in the actual downtown region, it seems to be a lot of musicals and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the smaller theaters, obviously, like the Red Orchid Theater around the corner here, a lot of tourists wouldn't even find or, or know where to find, you know. So there are the, uh, you know, the, the larger theaters in Dublin, unfortunately, a lot of them are doing, you know, uh, an Oscar Wilde play or, you know. Yeah, sure. But I mean, when you when you live there and you realize that, that it's just, you know, that was on last year and, yeah. and the year before. Fuck and, James Joyce. Enough yeah. of this guy. Yeah, I know. Can we get can we get something, <laughs> you know, a little more contemporary now and then? But um, it's 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 tourist driven. And, and that's uh, sadly uh, how, how a lot of this stuff goes these days. Right. I remember when Brendan B. In came here. It was probably the late 50s, early 60s. He was just absolutely great. I mean, he had the map of Ireland written on his face, <laughs> and he was drunk at all times. And somebody, and this, he was interviewed somewhere. He was, and he would break out into the middle of a song in the middle of the interview, you know, and sing. And um, his play, The Hostage, was really, I really love that play. The, yeah. it play. the play ends, the hostage, they finally have to kill the hostage. And he say, oh, fuck. I mean, because it was really, and all of a sudden the hostage jumps up. He's dead, but he went, the bells in hell go ring-a-ling-a-ling for me, but not for you. Oh, death, where is thy sting-a-ling-a-ling? How brave. Anyway, it was great, but so was Bian. So they asked him, first of all, um, does he ever not drink? And he says, no, because if I stop drinking, my teeth hurt. And so they said, well, he said, what do you like? He said, New York's great. What time do the bars close in Ireland, by the way? Because he was bitching about oh, that. Oh, in those days, our bars in really? Ireland would close at 10 or 11 at yeah, night. Yeah, so he know. would say, oh, this is great. New York's open all night. Yeah. It was great. And he said, well, do you know anybody that you don't like? Is there any, anybody? He says, oh, there's one person, Peggy Guggenheim. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the fuck that meant. But, God, he was great. I just loved it. I saw that That's play funny. a couple times. Okay, yeah, so wait, so prisons and pubs. Prisons, pubs, yeah, it's a good lineup so far, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm digging you it. You know, I'm a music fan. There are still great music venues in Dublin, and uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting local stuff that's going on, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I would definitely do that. And uh, you know, if uh, if you if it if you want to get out and see some countryside, County Wicklow's the next uh, the next county down, and uh, just go down there. And, 
you, you got beautiful Irish countryside. And you don't go have to, to travel pub. far. Go to a pub. That's what I would At the do. end of it, you get some nice pub grub and a decent pint, and uh, yeah, you'd be happy. Well, I, I, last time I went to Dublin, I went with the sole purpose of investigating the history of Guinness and um, really looking at how that particular brand, uh, in a way, shaped Dublin and its identity. Right. Um, was Guinness something that was always around you, and are you and do you actually like it? Well, yeah. Oh, I love I love Guinness. I drink it a lot in the in the winter months. Uh, you can't avoid it because you know you'd you'd smell uh, the the wonderful aromas coming out of the brewery. The brewery is right in the center of the city, and so um, it would literally be like you know you can't go by the the Blommers chocolate factory yeah. without you know getting a whiff of what's coming out of the what's what's coming out of the place. So. Um, I, I have to say, I've never been to the to the Guinness Brute pub tour oh, or anything yeah. like that. It's one of those things when you live in a city, you just never sure. kind of go to or yeah, whatever. Like but you never go to the I hear they do, Tower. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I hear they do a good job and everything like that. But, um, you know, uh, it's, um, it's synonymous with the city and uh, been around for a couple of hundred years. And obviously uh, something that... Um, uh, many people associate with Ireland, and uh, and it's a it's a it's a great pint. It's very tasty, and still to this day, you know I don't know what the figures are, but probably one in every two or three pints in Ireland yeah. is still a pint of Guinness. You know, I'm definitely a big fan um, of it. And one thing actually connected to you is uh, that one thing I learned by the by going through the Guinness experience is that. Um, Guinness was such a like a a, a big uh, sort of innovator in advertising. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, anyone who's, you know who's been around has seen the posters and and, and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Guinness is is that you've got to if you're pouring it as a pub owner, you've got to keep your keep your lines clean. And, and uh, Guinness is uh, needs to be. It uh, it requires a little more work than just your average lager, you know. So. Do you guys uh, sell a lot of it at Patty's? We do and we don't. Um, you know, over the last number of years, obviously, we've built ourselves as a craft beer bar, and everybody's always yeah. wanting to try. You know, what's the next thing? And, and and you know, our taps rotate all the time and everything like that. But obviously, when it comes to, uh, we're back to Paddy's Day again. But when it comes to things <laughs> like Paddy's Day, we, we, you know, you, you have to have it on. Like yeah, exactly. You might as well just leave the taps on and and, and let it flow. You know, so um, yeah, it's been around a long time. Do you go back to Ireland often? I do. Um, I try and get back in the summer months if I can, or I go back for a rugby game. That's always a great weekend to mm -hmm. go to Dublin. Um, you know, uh, they have a tournament there where every year we'll play England, Scotland, Wales, France, and Italy. And so huh. swarms of people will all come over from those countries. Do they have hooligans? There no, the rugby, the rugby crowd is all, um, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of drinking and joviality, but uh, to the, to everybody behaves themselves pretty well. So it's, uh, it's a good tournament to go to, you know. The, uh, the soccer, for sure, is a different story. Sometimes there's some, some issues going on. But honestly, those days, are, they're kind of gone. They've upped the prices on all of them. They, they can't afford to come in anymore, so... You know, the, the, the riffraff stays out. The riffraff, keep the riffraff well, out. They know? really are the riffraff, those hooligans, too. Um, okay, so besides Dublin, yeah, is there another part of Ireland that you just love or that you're connected to? Or uh, we used to spend a lot of uh holidays in the southwest of Ireland in County Kerry, and uh, that's a nice part of the world. I recommend anybody go down there. 
There's a very interesting town called Dingle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I like that yeah, name. isn't that a good name? Yeah. yeah. It uh, actually has more pubs in Ireland per square foot than any other place. It's got like 52 pubs, but I swear to goodness, it's just one street. Everything. <laughs> Everything is pubs. It sounds like a right magical there. place. Yeah, yeah. So Bruce, uh, have you ever been to Ireland? No. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, field you know, trip, field trip, Chris. Field trip. Yeah, Let's do it. Well, no, the next time I go, hopefully I go again back to London and Scotland, I will stop in Dublin on my way. Yeah. But um, I like the way Hawkeye describes it. Hawkeye, of course, lived in Scotland for three years mm. as a, doing a, working at a newspaper, but he said, Ireland is Scotland without the grandeur. Yeah. What's the relationship like? Ireland and Scotland? Yeah. We get on great. We're but we're all Celts, are the Irish. Everybody hates England, so that's yeah. Good. There's a there's a there's a shared love for the for the for taking the piss out of the English, so that's good. Uh, and, what about um, the Welsh? The Welsh are yeah, they're just a strange kind of in between bunch, you know. They they kind of, kind of keep to themselves, but there's, you know, there's no reason to go there, is there? Uh, I I was once in uh, in a uh, in Cardiff. Uh, my school rugby team was over there, and um, and what we did in those days was we, when you played another school, you would stay with the opposite number. So if I was a scrum half, I would stay with the opposite team's scrum half, and they would oh. come over and stay with us in Dublin. And we were all going to the local disco one night, and it's a treacherous night in March in Cardiff, and rain is pouring down, and uh, this line is outside this disco, and it's taking forever to get in. And eventually I get up to the counter and there's a woman there charging 25p to get in to this disco. And I'm like, is that what the line's about? Why, why are we paying 20 What's the point? And she goes, to keep out the riffraff. <laughs> so might give you an indication of uh, well, what sort of place be before they Before they uh, widened the street, went back in the early 60s when I arrived yeah. in, in Old Town. North Avenue? No, yeah, North Avenue was before they widened it, there was a bunch of little bars, little German bars yeah. over there, and there was a great movie theater and retail uh, thrift shops. It was great. But there was a German bar that they never even wanted to change their phone listing because uh, during the, they were speaking, a flower shop during Prohibition. But all these places were open, called Mercials. And so you could, if you, a beer at the Ale House was 25 cents, a Steinle-like beer. But if you broke, you could go over to Marshall's and you could buy a glass of beer for 15 cents. <laughs> and so you could go down the end of the street, there was a place you could buy a glass of beer for 10 cents. So I asked Carl Marshall, this real old uh, German guy, trying to tall, bent over guy, he says, how can you charge a, to keep out the riffraff? <laughs> that extra five cents kept yeah, out the riffraff. Yeah, why not? Why uh not? -huh. Um, so you are often in here as an alehouse regular, Chris, yeah. and um, you are often in here with your lovely bride, yes, Katie, who has become a good friend, right? A uh, wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, we always she have is a, very nice, so nice, and we always have. But a I, I definitely stipulated he not bring her tonight because when we start talking about his former sex life, I don't think that he would be quite as forthcoming. I, I mean, I'm sure Katie is appalled to learn that that Chris had sex before her. No, it's not the fact that he had sex. It's how he had sex and who he had sex with. <laughs> and what happened to his lust objects after he discarded them. I'm sure they were very heartbroken by the fact no, that he they dumped them. No, they weren't just heartbroken. 
there was a what they call Irish Chris syndrome, where these women would immediately put on a hundred pounds. There was this whole series of very hefty women that you could immediately know. Well, you must have gone out with Irish Chris. They were taking up too much space in the old town. That was the issue. They were, and and it was it was ruining it was ruining the geniuses' business. There was there, whereas you used to get a hundred people in here on a Friday night. He was maybe getting fifty-two. Well, uh, uh, yeah, and and they, these were he nice. He did it for you. These are nice to good women, but not so nice after they put on the hundred. Um. Well, anyway, so my. What you don't want to talk about sex life anymore. I mean, do you, Chris? Well, uh, I, 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 you know, I think uh, uh, the genius has has brought up some 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 things that. Uh, you know, it's his version of events, and who am I? He's, he's, the, he's the owner of this establishment. Who am I to uh, query such a fascinating story? Well, you are certainly, uh, in his eyes, part of that pantheon of uh, sexual, uh, I don't know, heroes? I would say freaks. Gigolos? <laughs> <laughs> Gigolo, um, gigolo freak show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, my back to Katie real quick, though. Oh, good, yeah. Let's uh, get away from the gigolo for each yeah. Um We often sit here, throw back many beers, and have, a great, old, have a great did, old time. How did he land her? That's what we sit back <laughs> while we're doing. Um, I know. I, I never wonder that. They're very nice people together. That's right. Um, but my question often goes back to this. Yeah. When I spend time with you two. Go on. And I brought this up with Pat. You guys have this... Odd shared love for Jamiroquai. <laughs> it, it's a band. Yeah, I, we talked British about band. that the last. So I want to ask Chris I directly. Couldn't even, I couldn't even pronounce it to tell him when he. I was tell me, him you, how did that happen? Because you guys like go around to different countries to see him. See well, I think we use it as an excuse to go around to different countries and, and run up some air miles. But, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of become a, a, a fun thing for us to do because uh, he plays in these very nice European towns and, uh, and, and some not, not so nice European towns. But we always decide if he's playing in a nice one, well, let's go, let's go see him and have a good time. And what's not to like? So, uh, and he recently played here. Uh, I even bought Pat to the concert, and I'm not sure if he enjoyed it or not, but he seemed to be shuffling his 800-pound mass <laughs> one way or another. He, so he, He's kind of tall, too, isn't he? He is a tall man. Yeah. He's a tall he's, man. He's yeah. large. He's yeah. large. Now, I would say that 200 pounds of that weight might be his beard, so I may be you know, being, hmm. giving, being a, a, unjust to, with regards to his weight. But anyway, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, you know, they're... they're, they're uh, a band that were probably big in the in the 80s and early 90s, yeah. and uh, I suppose there's a nostalgic aspect to it. Yeah, Katie's of a little younger than I am, and uh, she, you know she wasn't around when, uh, or maybe not being aware of their original fame. But yeah, I, I enjoyed. I them. mean, our conversations definitely always uh, skew toward music, right? And having uh, these uh, love them or hate them. Conversations. Yeah. yeah. When right. does this When does this podcast go out? By the way. Uh, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. I'll tell Katie not to listen to it because I did buy as as one of her Christmas presents. Van Morrison is coming to Chicago, oh, yeah. and uh, I bought her tickets. She is a fan of Van Morrison so as well. Have to listen he, to he's got to be almost week. as old as I am. <laughs> he. I know. This might be the last time we'll get to see him. Um, and I, I. You know, I saw Van Morrison in Dublin in probably 1985 or 1986, and he played in a boxing stadium. 
called the Stadium. And uh, it was uh, in a pretty run-down neighborhood. But Van Morrison was married to uh, a former Miss Ireland by the name of Michelle Rocca. And, uh, and so on this particular night, he decided that the opening act would be his wife would come out and read her poetry. Now, as you can imagine, the, uh, the crowd really didn't take kindly to, you know, her, her poetry was pretty fucking of awful. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, these are the days when somehow people would show up to concerts with vegetables and, and, and cabbages and things, and they were being lobbed at the stage. And so there was, uh, she was whisked off the stage, and there was an announcement to say that Van Morrison was not going to play, and everybody just stood there clapping and, you know, pints were being served and everybody was still sticking around. They hadn't kicked us out. And then eventually he walked onto the stage and everybody clapped and cheered and all the rest of it. But then he picked up the microphone and moved it, you know, to, so that he would be facing with his back to the audience and played the entire concert. Very good show. Enjoyed it very much. But he is a, uh, an eclectic character. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I got to see Van Morrison, but I didn't actually get to see Van Morrison. Yeah. It's on the back of his head. He, a weirdo. He, he used to drink at a bar when I lived in Marine County called Lodge and in, in Forest Knolls. And everybody knew who he was. He was a little, kind of a little guy. Mm. But he would be all hunched over. He wouldn't look at anybody. Nobody bothered him. But everybody would not. But he didn't seem very sociable. Not that anybody there really gave a shit. Well, yeah. He's a he's a he's an eccentric character, that's for sure. But uh, you clearly, know, a lot of these clearly, yeah. that's a very nice gift. Good job. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's playing in the Chicago Theater, so I'm looking forward. Hopefully, he's uh, still alive by April, and we make it. We, he's still fingers alive crossed. And, fingers yeah, crossed. Fingers for you. crossed. Yeah. Um. So when you're also in here, the aside from the Jamiroquai thing. Yeah. I, there's all another another sort of characteristic about you two that I think is very much part of you guys and this bar uh-huh. and it sort of connects to something that I'm, I'm a part of too is that when I started drinking at the ale house the beer selection wasn't all that grand and so I started sort of like squawking a little bit and eventually started oh, things started to change uh, I, I can't believe this beer snobbery bullshit anyway so you and Katie drink a certain beer here which you're drinking right now uh, uh, which you really pales. had to fight you really had to fight for I, well, yeah, I, and it's very Irish I'm so happy that this beer has made it over Donald Trump's wall I mean I, I don't you know uh, from, from Mexico it's, it's managed to get itself into the country but I, I think a lot of Irish guys and girls like to drink a, a famous Mexican beer uh, because they, growing up in the country, it's so wet and miserable that when we have it in our hands, we have. You're thinking vi- about the islands. Visual of islands and sun and, beach. sun and beaches. Okay, and but let's let's be clear. You're not just drinking Corona. You fought for Corona Light. Yeah, for my wife. You're a nice guy. Yeah. But like, you guys really kind of pushed, 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 and now right. it's here, here for it is. you. Yeah. And I wonder if anybody else drinks it. Um, we'd have to ask the genius that question. He doesn't oh. know. <laughs> I I have no clue what's yeah. over there. No. I mean, it's, I'll ask it's, Timmy. it's, gra- no, it's gra- grasshopper yeah. is basically in charge of that. Grasshopper right. is 
taken over pretty much all that stuff. But literally, I could walk in the bar and you guys won't be here, but there'll be two bottles of Corona Light on the bar. I'm like, damn, I just miss Chris and Katie. Well, that's what makes this bar such a wonderful place. I mean, you can get a Polish martini, you can get a light Mexican beer, or if you feel like it, you can you can uh, get a coffee or, or whatever it is. It's, uh, it's uh, what makes this place special, right? Well, there's yeah. a lot of things you can't get. People do wine. Which I always get a I big drink chuckle. a lot of wine here. No, I'm not talking about wine. I'm talking wine, W-H-I-N-E. Wine oh. Yeah. yeah I, I wine. Yeah. Well, for the longest time, our people would just like essentially throw up after they drink our wine. So Toby <laughs> jacked it up and got some stuff. That she got good stuff. Yeah, I know. There's some great red but, wine. But oh my God, when Beatrice had the joint. Oh, God. I'm sure. Well, different times. In fact, I actually started whining a lot at the end of the summer about the fact that there wasn't any rosé, so I think we might see some rosé here next summer. Oh, my God. Really taking it up to the next uh, level. We, we try. We yeah. try. Yeah. Um, well, Chris, you want to have any uh, last words for us here on this podcast? I, I can't believe the time has flown by I so know. quickly. I can't it's believe crazy. it's flown by so quickly. See, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's just so much to say. We haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. And an hour's already gone by. My goodness. Well, I mean, apart from, you know, wishing all the listeners a wonderful Merry Christmas and a happy holiday. By the way, uh, you know, that uh, a very good friend to Ireland, Oliver Cromwell, you might be familiar, history buffs might be familiar with him, he, he wasn't into, uh, with the Puritans, they weren't into, they actually banned the celebration of Christmas yeah. in the 1640s um, for a while there. It was too frolicky. Christmas was, Christmas was banned here up through most of the 1800s. Well, the Puritans took yeah. it with them. I mean, I remember who so. came over to Plymouth Rock. Yeah. yeah. These right. were super assholes. Dodos. Yeah. What mm-hmm. a bunch I mean, of... Killing abs. Indians and, and reading Bibles. And, you know. yeah, yeah. In, yeah, in that order. It was Actually, nothing like Bible school after d- yeah. decimating an Indian village or two. What does um, what's a traditional like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day celebration like in Ireland? Christmas Eve uh, is kind of like the um, uh, the eve of of Thanksgiving here. A lot of the suburban pubs are very very busy because people kind of get out of the city and the city kind of closes down. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Dublin pubs would be closed around nine or ten at night and move out to the suburbs or whatever, so that would be good. I mean, Christmas Day, everything is closed, so, yeah. you know. Now, do you guys have Boxing Day? Like We call it St. Stephen's Day in Ireland. But so you, you had the same crap? Uh, no, there's uh, St. Stephen's Day in, in Dublin, anyway, is very famous for going to the horse races. Oh, there's yeah. a, but I mean, is it day after Christmas? Yep. Yeah. Really? So everything's open again. Because in London, that really irritated me. I couldn't go to the theater. I mean, it was hardly a find a bar. To go. Yeah, no, everything is open again, and uh, it's, uh, you know, um, a, a big drinking day on the calendar. What's, and, um, uh, on Christmas Day, what's on the table for dinner? Um, you know. There's nothing like. Nothing. A traditional something or other. Yeah, I guess, you know, I can't. I was imagine a potato. There was probably a potato or two. Yeah. By the way, the potatoes came from this country to Ireland. Really? Did you? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. From the did Americas. We, did we send the blight? Yeah. We did? Yeah, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we didn't apparently know how to deal with that. And by the way, how, how, right now, how late can uh, the pubs stay open in Ireland? Oh, all hours. 
You know, they it's, can. It's, oh, yeah, really? it's it's similar to here. There's 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 uh, licenses that go super late and kind of late. And, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the more traditional family-run pubs might close a little earlier or anything like that. But uh, yeah, there you can you can go out in Dublin to all hours. And, and, and there was ways of getting around it uh, in, in Dublin in the earlier, in the 80s, where they, w they would have certain places that wouldn't be able to sell beer, but they'd be able to sell wine and champagne. And so they were all in basements on a street called Leeson Street in Dublin. And they were all terrible places. You'd buy literally, I mean, you mentioned here the wine at the Old Town Alehouse some years ago. Equivalent to a bottle of vinegar, perhaps, you know? <laughs> so you'd pay a lot of money to get in there just to sit there and drink a bottle of vinegar with your friends because it would be open until 8 o'clock in the morning. So there was always ways of getting around it, but perhaps you couldn't get your... The, yeah. the, the 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 drink that you were looking for, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys uh, at Christmas? Do you guys wear the the funny little paper hats the way the British do? Uh, the the Christmas crackers, as yeah. they're called, where you where you hand one over and pull. Uh, right. Yeah, there there is a bit of that going on. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, there's many a grandfather who's fallen asleep, uh, face down on the table, still with his his little paper hat on because he's been tucking into too much sherry and turkey and God knows what. So what would Christmas be without it? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. Anyway, uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Very. A pleasure. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, we want to thank Ruth for showing up. She's here now. Uh, and But she did She did bring us beverages, so thank you, Ruth. Um Jordan is our sweet baby Jesus in the manger. He's our hero. He's our mm -hmm. hero. Uh, right now. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, if you do Christmas, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. If you do Christmas. Well, people, you know, different things, different different strokes for different folks. So if you celebrate Christmas, we wish you a, a very Merry Christmas. Happy, yeah, happy baby Jesus. Happy baby Jesus Day, yeah. I guess. Except he was born in July. Was he? Or summer, yeah. <laughs> I saw this meme of a cartoon of, it was like the Buddha talking to Jesus. And the Buddha was really skinny. And he's like, man, I wish they would stop drawing me as a fat man because I'm not. Look at me. And Jesus, who is like, you know, dark skinned and dark hair, is like, yeah. They keep telling people, keep saying I'm blonde and blue eyed. What so, does this have to do with July? It's just the meme. Never what mind. What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, well. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> you guys do Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, say goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius.